the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The text says that we are Christ's friends and that he was going to give his life for his friends. But if we think of this closely and honestly, we must recognize that when the Lord gave his life for us, strictly speaking, we were not exactly his friends. Have you ever thought of Christ's sacrifice for us in those terms? Boy, it gives it even more meaning, doesn't it? Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout. He's uh, continuing in the book of John, the 15th chapter, and we'll be picking up right after the 16th verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You know, you can walk into a store. You can fill your shopping cart with $100,000 of goods. You can walk up to the counter and pull out your checkbook. And you'll probably be there for a really long time. As the clerk gets the manager who calls headquarters, who calls the bank, and so on and so forth. If you walk up to that counter and your name happens to be Donald Trump or Bill Gates, you're not likely to be there quite so long. Because everybody knows that there's no shortage in their account. And when Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, he's inviting us to pray on his account in which there is no shortage. We're not praying from our own account. I'll tell you, if you go down there, you better write a really small check if you're using my name. (laughs) But if we're using Jesus' name when we pray, his account is full to overflowing. There is no shortage. And Jesus is inviting us to pray in his name, on his account. And that should change the way we pray. Now, the privileges that characterize the friends of Jesus also carry responsibility as well, as we're reminded in Ephesians chapter 4, that friends of Christ must walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which they have been called. And then Jesus says in verse 17, these things I commend you so that you will love one another. Jesus legislated law, love. He commanded love. He commanded his disciples to make peace with one another. He commanded his disciples to put the interests of others before their own. He commanded his disciples to settle their differences quickly. He knew they were diverse in background, and he ordered them to love one another. Now, the need for this command becomes a bit more obvious when we remember that one of the disciples, Matthew, was a tax collector for Rome. He was considered a traitor and a collaborator in the eyes of the Jews, and especially the Jewish zealots. 
And Simon, another one of the disciples, is referred to in Scripture as Simon the Zealot. I imagine that when Jesus first pulled together his 12 disciples, there were some really tense moments between Simon and Matthew. Because a zealot would kill a Roman collaborator if they could. Jesus commanded them to love one another. That it was essential to preserving the unity of the church. Now, verse 17 repeats the theme of love that began in verse 12. And so it kind of rounds out this section. But it also is transitional to the next section, which begins in verse 18, in which Jesus explains the reason that why the world hates the disciples. It's because they love one another and they belong to Jesus. So in the next section, Jesus gives a warning and an explanation and some guidance and encouragement about the coming persecutions and hatred from the world. Now, folks, if any of us are paying any attention to national and global news, I think we can sense that it's coming, that it's coming soon, that it may be very soon. And so I think it's important that we listen to what Jesus has to say about this subject. And so next week... To the Lord, Terry, we intend to begin our study of that section of Scripture, verse 18, before we take a, a brief break a number of weeks from our study of the Gospel of John for Holy Week. Now, the week after that's Palm Sunday. It's also the fifth Sunday of the month. <clears throat> On the fifth Sundays of the, of the month, happens about three times a year, our elders and our pastors come to uh, join with our congregation, whatever matters of prayer that you may have. And I know that our congregation has many, many needs, and we're going to be here to pray with you. Uh, before you leave, I want, to, I want to give you something that, as I came across in my studies, was uh, profound to me, and I, I think that it will be profound to you. This is the writings of James Montgomery Boyce. This is what he wrote. It's not really fair to talk about Jesus' sacrifice in merely human terms. For his death surpasses anything we can imagine. It may not happen often, but sometimes one human being will voluntarily die for another. Still, this gift never equals or even parallels Jesus' sacrifice. And we see this when we reflect on Jesus' death. First, when we begin to reflect on Jesus' death, we recognize that his death was exceptional if only because Jesus did not have to die. Now, that's not true of us. We're mortal. We must die. But Jesus was immortal and therefore did not have to die. He he could have come into the world, performed a full and varied ministry, and then returned to heaven without ever having experienced death. On the other hand, of us, it is said in Hebrews chapter 9, man is destined to die once and after that face the judgment. So what does this mean in terms of self-sacrifice? Well, simply this. If you or I were to give our lives for someone else, while that would undoubtedly be great and heroic sacrifice, it would nevertheless at best be merely an anticipation of what must come eventually anyway. We would simply be dying a bit sooner. But the Lord did not need to die under any circumstances. And second, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is exceptional in that he knew that he would die. And again, this is not usually the case when a 
A man or woman gives his or her life for another. People usually take calculated risks and sometimes die. But they don't often die deliberately. Jesus, by his own testimony, deliberately went to the cross to die for our salvation. And this is another area in which the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for his friends shines brighter than any love of which we are capable. The text says that we are Christ's friends and that he was going to give his life for his friends. But if we think of this closely and honestly, we must recognize that when the Lord gave his life for us, strictly speaking, we were not exactly his friends. Now, true, he calls us friends. It's also true that we become his friends, but we become his friends because of his electing grace towards us, manifesting itself in the atonement and the ministry of his spirit, by which our natural rebellion against God is overcome, and our hearts are drawn to love and serve Jesus. But when he died for us, or even if we may push that back even farther, when in eternity past he determined or decided to die for us, he did so while we were yet enemies. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. Now here especially do we see the wonderful love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So long as we think of ourselves as being somewhat good in God's sight, don't we have a tendency to think that? So long as we think of ourselves as being somewhat good in God's sight, we do not see it. But when we see ourselves as God sees us, then the surpassing worth of the love of Christ becomes evident. Now, there's one more reason why the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for his friends is superior to all human loves. The death of the Lord was a spiritual death, whereas ours, if we're believers, is only physical. You see, death is separation. Physical death is the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. Spiritual death is the separation of the soul and spirit from God. And this is the separation that Jesus endured for us. Yes, he died physically also, that is true, and his death was painful, but the truly horrible aspect of his death was his separation from the Father when he was made sin for us and bore sin's punishment. And this is the meaning of the cry that came from his lips in that moment when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I do not know how to explain that. I do not know how it is possible for the second person of the Godhead to be separated from the first person of the Godhead, even for a brief time as this was. But this is what happened as Jesus experienced spiritual death in order that we might never have to experience it. Love like that goes beyond our best understanding. These truths and more are involved in Christ's statement, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The words of James Montgomery Boyce. I'd like to invite you to bow your heads and you close your eyes because we're going to take just a moment here because there might be somebody among us in this service. The Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, has been talking to you. Now, when I say the word talking, it may not be an audible voice. It might be just something stirring within you. 
And you know that God is wanting to reach you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so with with the heads bowed and and the eyes closed, I want to give you this opportunity this day to make the decision. And by raising the hand, what you're doing is you're saying, Jesus, reveal your salvation to me and in me, I pray. And with the heads bowed, the eyes closed, is there someone among us in this service who'd like to make this the day you make that decision? You invite Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. And there is no more important decision you will make in your entire life than that one, to follow Jesus Christ. If you'd like more information about what that means, you can give us a call at 650-873-4095. That's Church of the Highlands. This is Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. The phone number again is 650-873-4095. And we're on the web at highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us today. Again, if we can help you in any way, please do get in touch. And come back tomorrow when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.